Good morning. I was told my message had to be short because I had to fix a window. Actually, I told myself that. When I first went to Brazil as a missionary, I had some preparation to do. I built a crate. And this crate was four foot by four foot by eight foot tall. And I was going to ship it to Brazil, and everything I needed had to be in there. So, of course, the Lord provided for me to go on a spending spree. <laughs> like how I put that? And this is a guy spending spree. It's not like one of those bridal parties or anything where it's all girly stuff. Guy stuff. And if you're a guy, you know what I'm talking about. This means tools. Tools. Lots of tools, right? Because these are, the, these are the tools the Lord has given me. And so I use other tools with these tools to make things. And Sandra was questioning, well, are you sure you need that? Yeah, I need that. <laughs> <laughs> that too? Yep, that too. So I'd say half the crate was filled up with tools. Right? But even she would have to say that through the years, um, she's glad that I brought every one of those tools. Because when she needed something made, guess who was going to make it? And I wasn't going to make it if I didn't have the right tools. So I picked my tools judiciously. I know I can only take so much. And even today, she doesn't question too much when I buy tools because I make things with tools. As a matter of fact, that's my profession now. It's teaching people to use tools and to work with their hands. So I'm going to let you into my world a little bit. You've been there before, but maybe we'll go a little deeper now. And, and how it relates. This morning's devotional was really good. It was on fixing. God's the, the fixer, right? God's the fixer. I fix things. I work with my hands. So if you were to walk through my house, and I want you to think about that. If you were to walk through your house, or if I were to walk through your house, what would I say or what could I recognize by your life that's valuable to you? you know? One thing I like to do, too, that Santa sort of finds strange is when we go shopping, I like to find myself in the kitchen kitchen gadget department. I like kitchen gadgets. You know why? Because they're tools. So more so for me, I'm more interested than she is. But if you're a woman and you do a lot of work in the kitchen, you might think, you know, that's where I keep my valuables. It's in the kitchen because that's where my tools are. She likes to sew, so it might be in her sewing room. You know, baby lock. Matter of fact, when we went to Brazil, she said she needed a sewing machine. I said, I'll get you a sewing machine and I'll get you a baby lock too. And she says, I don't need that. I've never had one before. And I saw, I saw Krista. She needs one. I, I saw what it could do. So that's how I think. If I could see that there's a tool, it could do something. She needs it. Boy, is she ever glad that I got her one. Now she wouldn't be without one. So it depends on your world what you consider valuable. Isn't that right? Okay, so I'm going to show you a picture of my shop. And I'm going to talk a little bit about tools. Um, because it's going to relate to the message that we have today. Um, one thing that I teach, you know, I teach apprentices, and I find that it's very difficult sometimes to teach apprentices because they're sort of like teenagers. They know everything, you know. Oh, yeah, I know that, really. And so I get to teach this class of total station. It's a survey equipment. I get to teach them trigonometry, coordinate geometry, and all the things they don't know. So, so it's a different audience here. I can teach, what, huh? Yeah, you need to learn something here, right? But I teach them to work with their hands, and somehow they know all that until I get them out in the shop and they prove that they really don't. 
And uh, when I'm talking to journeymen, it's, oh, I know how to do that. It's like this and like this and like this. But I can always tell what somebody really knows what they're talking about, whether they're a journeyman or an apprentice. And this is what I teach all my apprentices. What's the right way to do something? I put in windows. We install, install that window there. Uh, we put in doors. What's the right way to install something? What's the right way to fabricate something? You know, and I'll give them specifics, and they have all these ideas. You know, I know that's the right way. Why? Because my journeyman told me that's the right way. Really? That's the wrong way. Well, how do I know it's the wrong way? Because there's a manufacturer's instruction manual. That's the right way. Do it the way it was designed to go in. Well, my journeyman says it. I don't care what your journeyman says. You know, does he have a name like the company that made this? They have to protect their name, right? If something goes wrong with it, doesn't meet specifications, they got to stand behind it. They got to pay to fix it. Is your journeyman going to do all that? No, that's why we teach it. It's a liability question. I say, do you know what happens when you have a failure in a system? Your shop owner is going to call up the manufacturer and says, your system doesn't meet specs. It's failing, and we want you to cover for it. We want you to pay to fix it. And the manufacturer says, okay, we'll send our rep out. You know what the rep's going to do? And this is what I tell my apprentices. They're going to take it apart, and they're going to see, did you put it in according to instruction? And they'll look at they'll throw a level on it. They won't even, they might just start with a level out of plumb. You're paying for it. What? It, it, that, that shouldn't matter. It says right there in the instructions. It has to be put in plumb, level, and true. You didn't follow instructions. We're washing our hands. You're paying for it. That's big money. So I try to impress upon them the importance of following the instruction manual. Some of the journeymen out there don't even know there's one. Ask your project manager. They'll be glad to furnish it. They don't want any failures. They don't want to come, it to come back on them. They'll give you the manufacturer's manual. But they're going to hold you accountable to follow it. So then we need to teach them how to recognize things that are in there like screws. I just had a class. First thing I do is I give journeymen that have been out there 20 years screw test. And I, I have 20 screws. And I like name the you know, number on a sheet of paper, 1 to 20. Okay, You have this screw. You're going to get one shot to call the shop, describe that screw such that when he sends a box of them out, you're going to have exactly what you need. Out of 20 people, one person was even close. And these are the journeymen out there, not paying attention to their trade, not paying attention to the manual. And the verse I'd like to show up here is what the verse I want to talk about, because it relates to something here, our manufacturer's instruction manual. 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Handling accurately the word of truth. Handling accurately. So that you don't have to be ashamed. So just like I have to teach my students to handle tools accurately if they're going to do a good job, we have to learn to handle the word of God accurately. God hasn't left us without instructions. Like some of those journeymen out there, they don't know there's instructions to the system they're putting together. It looks similar to another situation, but there's some nuances that are different. Can't do it the same way. They don't know that because they've never read the manual. Some of them don't know it's there. The Word of God is our manual in all things spiritual, all things that pertain to life and godliness. The Word of God. So when you walk into our house, what should you see is the most important tool we have. It's the manual. It's the Word of God. We're going to think about the Word of God as a manual, and we're going to think about the Word of God as a tool. And hopefully we'll gain 
a new appreciation for the Word of God and with the desire to handle it accurately and be used of God. Because, quite frankly, recently I've seen the Word of God used very inaccurately. Uh, twisted. Not always with wrong intentions, but the result is the same. I tell my apprentices and journeyman, perception is everything in our world. Well, what do you mean? Perception. When you drill into aluminum, do you know what that drill bit's going to want to do? It's going to want to walk. It's not going to want to penetrate straight through. So people say, oh yeah, I use a center punch. <laughs> it's still going to walk. <laughs> I'll prove it. I get a washer, drop it, dry, uh, draw a target, put a crosshair in it, now center punch it, drill through it. And you'll see it'll walk closer to the edge of the circle. If you want to get it really accurate, draw a target. Don't draw a crosshair, because in drilling through, you're going you're gonna to disappear the crosshair, right? So that it moves. Do you perceive that? And if you do, you can walk it back. Someone shows you how. And you learn to do that. Jigsaw. I say, how close can you come to a line with a jigsaw on an eighth-inch aluminum? I can, I can stay pretty close to a 64th. And how close can you come? And I take them out to the shop, and I show them. Some of them get a whole eighth of an inch away from the line before they figure, uh-oh, I better countersteer, you know. It's not so bad if it's extra, but if it's into the metal, that's what you can't make up. <laughs> you know, you can't stretch the aluminum, right? It's all about perception. And the same thing with the Word of God. Perception. Perception. How accurate are we with the Word of God? Perception's everything. Um... One thing I want to say about the Word of God, I want to show you a picture of my shop. Well, actually, my shop's the way it was when I, when I was getting it together. So this is, this is just the beginning of my workbench. Okay, so it's all aluminum. Um, I have carpet pads lay on there when I need to protect things. But what do you notice about my tools? They're organized. Everything has its place, and everything should be in its place, right? And... Um, Everything will be traced, and so when something's missing, guess what? I walk in and say, where's my 9mm wrench? It's missing. Okay, I'm the only one that had keys to this shop. Do you know why? (laughs) (laughs) Through years of experience, I've learned that tools don't always stay where they should be unless there's one person responsible, and that's me. Now, this is just my hand tools. I have other tools, and I tend to be a, thank you, you can turn it off. I tend to be a portable tool guy. I love shops. I love machines that make jobs easier. You know, Ron, you probably have nice machines down at your place. But you know what? I can't afford all that, for one. For two, I can't take it with me. So I work with my hands. They're portable. I work with my tools. They have to be semi-portable, too. You know, table saw, chop saw, um, roto hammer, those kind of things where you can take and do install work. And there's some pretty specialized tools. I had to hog out the bottom of an aluminum door, and there's nothing to get in there until I found this tool that they'd recently developed, I think, in the last five years. And it's, it's a counter-rotating saw. You know, the blades are counter-rotating. You have a wax stick that feeds in to lubricate it. And it doesn't have kickback because it cuts in both directions. It'll cut through rebar, cut through aluminum, cut through wood, cut through anything. The only problem is it doesn't have a foot pad, so you've got to hold it steady. But it'll just chew right through things. And so you have specialized tools for specialized needs. The downside of it is how many specialized tools can you fit in the back of a pickup truck? Not many. 
So you have to choose your tools wisely. And there's some that you use for more than others. I think of the Word of God being a tool, the most portable tool you'll ever find. I don't need a bunch of different tools when it comes to the Word of God. One tool fixes everything. The Word of God is good for everything. I just have to master it. Master it. And it's interesting because the more you use the Word of God, the more you master it if you use it correctly. And the more you perceive when other people don't. You know, I, I'm in the shop and I'm running from one end of the shop screaming, stop that! You know, what are you doing? You know, I'm cutting with a jog, jigsaw. You're not doing it right. I can hear it all the way over from the other side of the shop. You got it wrong. You know? And it drives me crazy when somebody's not using a tool correctly. You know, um, I don't know the correct way, but I'm assuming that the correct way with the sewing machine is just step on the pedal and, and it goes, right? <laughs> For a guy, you don't know what that does to a guy's ears. when he, It's like a, a, a 7,000 RPM motor running at 15. You're thinking it's going to blow up, you know? It wasn't meant to do that. You know, slow it down. So they're there with that jigsaw, like this, right? And for one thing, I know that's not good, right? Next thing I hear this, and the table's bouncing all over the place. And they're, and they're not stopping. They're just keep, they're keeping on rolling. I'm going, man, I get over there and it looks like garbage, you know? And it's something they're not perceiving about the tool. They're not using it correctly. They're not using it accurately. One of it is that jigsaw blades, our jigsaw blades are good three inches long. Right? Some of them you get down to two and a half. Well, they're cutting aluminum, tube aluminum that's only an inch and three quarters deep. So they're not perceiving that in some cases, and I trim the blades, you know, I'll cut the blades. And they, they don't perceive that it's hitting the inside of the, of the metal and it's popping up each time. <clears throat> Boom, and the, the lack of perception. You know something's wrong here? It shouldn't work like that. So listen to that one over there. It's not doing it, is it? Must be the tool. No, it's not the tool, it's the user. And it's the same thing with the Word of God. When somebody uses the Word of God wrong and it doesn't go right, it's not the Word of God. It's the user. Perhaps the wrong tool. The blade's too long. So I teach them how to break a jigsaw blade. You stick it in a pair of pliers and you wrap it on the ground. It's high carbon steel. It's going to snap clean. You try to cut it with dikes. You know, it's not going to happen. Another thing, too, is what they don't perceive is when you cut through aluminum with a jigsaw, you start heating up the aluminum. Aluminum is a soft metal. It'll start caking up on the blade. Once it cakes up on the blade, it gets thicker. Once it gets thicker, it's not going to fit through the same slot it just cut. And it'll start grabbing the aluminum and bouncing on it. And I will tell them. And I will explain to them. And guess what happens? It still happens. It's, they're, not, they're either not paying attention. They don't care. Or they think that the faster they get it done, the sooner they get out of there. And that's not happening either. So it reminds me of the Word of God. We have to handle the Word of God accurately. Use the right tool for the right job. It is the right tool. And uh, usually if you have to force something, you're breaking it. You're breaking it. The Word of God isn't meant to be forced. Take one verse and wrench it into another application um, or another interpretation. Application is a different story. But the Word of God, handling accurately. And, and, and there's a danger in the way people use the Word of God, using the wrong verse. You know, I, I think of 
It, just an example. I'm just going to give you an example. I don't want to go through everything that I've gone through lately, but Hebrews 13:7 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they, um, for they watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Counsel. I don't like the counsel I heard. <laughs> so I'll just go talk to a whole bunch of people, because after all, in Proverbs 15:22 it says, Without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. See, I'm just seeking many counselors. So they'll use one verse against the other and don't realize, you know what, that's the wrong way to use that tool. God doesn't contradict himself. You know, what the people are doing is they're polling a whole bunch of people that are also quote Christians to, to hear what they want to hear. When those that know them and that have more vested interest in seeing them succeed spiritually because they're going to give an account, throw that out the window. Why? Because it's not what I want to hear. You can go to people who will tell you anything. You can go to churches that will tell you anything. Well, over there they do it. I'm going over there. Why? Because they do what I like to do. Well, wait a minute. Let's get back to the Word of God, the manual. Let's see what it says here. Here's an example of, out on the mission field when I was up in the north of Brazil. North of Brazil, I was working with Irish missionaries. Very conservative. Okay? Now, how they got these ideas, I don't know. I go there, and the Christians there just have this idea that when you, be, when you get saved, your life changes. Novel idea, right? No, that's right in the Word of God. But how it changes, that's what was in question. They were, well, they used to go to the circus when it came into town. Now you don't go to the circus. Christians don't go to the circus. Why? That's worldly. Okay, well, that's what they thought, right? Now, you might not agree with that. You might think, you know, I have liberty to go to the circus. But they didn't think they did. And they were happily serving the Lord. And that was fine. And it was a very clear distinction. You know? Another thing, too, is women didn't wear makeup. Oh, you don't wear makeup if you're a Christian. That's worldly. It's a worldly standard. Now, you might not believe that. And I might not believe that. And I don't see how you can defend it in the Word of God. But they think they can. Right? The point is, is they were happily following the Lord with this view that this is pleasing to the Lord. Is there anything wrong with pleasing to the Lord? Pleasing the Lord? Is there anything wrong with not making wearing makeup? Is there anything wrong with not going to the circus? Nothing wrong. So here this missionary from the south goes up into the churches there and they start asking, well, what do you think? Can you do Oh, yeah, you can do that. You've got total liberty to do that. And he starts preaching. You've got liberty to go to the circus. You've got liberty to wear makeup. You've got liberty to do this, 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 and this, and this. And you know what that missionary did? He split the churches in that region of Brazil. Just split them. Taking sides, I'm going to do this. You over, you can't. And, and, and what does the Word of God say about divisiveness? What does it say about causing a little one to stumble? It's better to have a millstone hung around your neck and cast in the ocean than cause one of these little ones to stumble. And so, it's not that my views were that much different than this other missionaries. But if they're happily serving the Lord like that, why am I going to go mess things up and split the churches? A year later, he left for the south of Brazil left, and it just left a mess in his wake. And I'm thought, what was worse? Letting them go on thinking they're pleasing the Lord, doing something that's not sin, versus splitting the churches over an issue like that. It's taking the word of God and it's misusing it. It's abusing it. And the end result is the shoddy workmanship that you see. You know, um, That doesn't please God. doesn't please God. Okay, so... Every tool has its place, right? you got your tools that you really like to use a lot, but the Word of God's good for everything. Everything. Um, 
organized, organized. You know, we fill our lives with a lot. And if you're a Christian, you should fill your lives with the Word of God quite a bit. Um, and, and I sort of relate this to drill bits. <laughs> you might have a hard time with that. I'll, I'll add to it to make the connection here. When, when you're a glazier in the field, the employer is responsible to provide consumables. Consumables mean drill bits. And depending on what you're drilling through, there's some real nice drill bits. I mean, there's titanium-coated drill bits, there's cobalt-coated drill bits, and then there's solid cobalt drill bits. I mean, there's some nice stuff out there, right? Um, jigsaw blades, whatever, consumables, and they expect you to consume them. And so on any job, uh, when I was out in the field a lot, they'd come out every week. These are like platinum brute drill bits. Oh, boy, these are the nice ones here. Here's a pack for you, for you, for you, for you. You better, you better not waste them because you're only getting a pack a week. Well, what if we don't use them? We'll save them for another job. They're yours. They're consumable. Okay. <laughs> if you know how to drill with a drill bit, I use one drill for every hundred the other one's used. So I'd just be piling up these packs of drill bits just like they told me to do, right? And then my bucket was filled with the ones that I would use. Right? So they've been sitting in my shed for 10 years. And when I did my shop, I said, you know what? I've been wanting to do this all along. I'm going to organize my drill bits. Just the used ones, not the new ones. They're still in the packets, right? So I got out my mic, and, you know, drill bits come either by machine size, right, numbered. They come fractionary by fractions, you know. And then they also come lettered. So there's a pretty complete section. So if you put them in order... There's nothing like saying, you know, I need a number 25 drill bit, and there it is. Take it out. Rather than sort through the bucket, where's that 25? And I can identify pretty close to 24, 25. I can tell the difference between a 21 and a 25 just by looking at it because I use them so much. But nothing like pulling them out of a drawer. So second picture, I started organizing my drill bits, and here they are. With all my little cards, miking them out, and it's real fast. Miking them out and then throwing them in the drawer. Next picture. And then I got myself a little container, numbered them all. Everything, where I need it, when I need it. And I show my apprentices this. Look, that's out of buckets. You know, and I have buckets like three times that much of screws that need to be sorted. So if you want to learn about screws, I'll have you over for lunch. <laughs> okay, thanks. Turn it off. Okay, so being organized, being organized. Now, with the Word of God, you could be organized or disorganized, right? And, you know, they make it really simple in our day and age with these electronic concordances. When I made my concordance, they didn't have that. So I had to make my own. But I wanted to add a feature that you won't find in the concordance. Everybody, you know, how do you remember things? You ever heard the term memory hooks? In your mind, you have a memory hook. You take something and you hang it on a hook that you can associate that with so that when you go to remember things, you go to the hook. It's easier to remember them than that. So if you look up something in the scriptures and you can't remember the exact word, or in my case, sometimes you can't spell it, you're not finding it, right? Because it's a computer. It doesn't, it just, not, no, no search is found, right? So what I did was I said, you know what? I'm going to make my own concordance with memory hooks that I get to pick. And the verse, the, the word might not even be in the verse at all, but I remember the verse by that word. Why? Because I wanted to have the Word of God in my heart organized like those cabinets. When I need it, I know it. And I used to carry this around wherever I went. Now i got something electronic, and I'm a little bit better at remembering. But let me open it up, for example. Um, i got a whole lot of fig trees here. i got family. Um, so family, 
First one up is Matthew, and this is just the New Testament. Matthew 10, 21. We'll turn against you and deliver you up. Okay, so I don't think the word family is in that verse, but it talks about in the end times when father will deliver up son, children deliver up parents. Okay, so, but I remember that as family. So I'll look up family and I'll find the verse. Um, A man's enemies will be his family. He who loves family more than me doesn't say family in that verse. But it's talking about family members. That our love for the Lord Jesus Christ should be greater than our love for our family. And when it comes to picking sides, it's clear which one I'm going to pick. You know, God's right. You know, my son could be wrong, but God's not wrong. My mom could be wrong. I can remember one time when I was a new Christian. Every Sunday, never missed. And my mom, she didn't like that. You think one Sunday you could show love to your mother and stay with me for a Sunday instead of going to church? How many Sundays have you gone to church? You know. And I thought about that. I thought, you know what? Six days I could spend with you, but this is my day to go be with the Lord and the Lord's people. And I thought to myself, I think I'm a better testimony in showing you greater love by showing you the proper place that God should have in the heart of someone that says they're Christian. So I'll be back after meeting and we can spend some time together. What comes first, family or God? I, I don't believe that you're showing greater love to your family unless you're putting God's first. As hard as that may be, you know, when they see that, they'll see, okay, now I get it. Now I get it. But... I find that verse because it's in my own personal concordance. And that's because I wanted my life, my understanding of the Word of God, to be like the drill bits up there. I know where they are. I can lay my hands on them quickly. Nothing as long as I had this with me. <laughs> Memory gets a little bit sketchy as you get older. At least that's, that's, I think that's how I remember it. <laughs> so, what got me thinking about it is what Noad put on his Facebook page. Yeah, Noad has a Facebook page. And I'm guilty of looking at it. But there was a gem there that was really neat. And I hope I can, I can repeat that today. Can I do that, Noah? Thank you. Okay. I'll do it in a minute. Keep you in suspense. Um, the Word of God, how special is it to you? And how do you treat it? If you go in a closet and study the Word of God, it's not that the Holy Spirit can't illuminate the Word of God you know, for you or to you. But there's nothing like getting together with other men and women that also are studying the Word of God. Because you might just get it wrong. And if somebody can show you verses that seem to contradict your understanding, then you might want to reconsider your understanding. There are people that, because of their mishandling of the Word of God, their lack of understanding, or just, you know what, sin can put a set of shades on you that you only see, see it one way. But it's sin that causes that. And the problem is, it's like trying to explain to a blind person that's been blind from birth, try to explain the color green, my favorite color. Try to explain that to a blind person. They're just not going to see it. Well, that's what sin does to a person when they look at the Word of God. If they're bent on not repenting of their sin, they're going to see just this, tunnel vision. And it'll be a misrepresentation of what God wants them to see. So... Uh, you know, I, I, I make a habit of, of sharing my thoughts with the other elders. You know, let them be my sounding board. You know, and I think we've gotten pretty good because I'm not getting so bent up about it anymore when I get corrected. 
Mellowing, okay. I like to think I'm getting a little wiser. You know, um, it's good. It's good because every one of us can get it wrong. And so that God, right in his very word, he gives that counsel, right? Um, why is it that sometimes we don't get so proficient in the word of God? Why is it? You know, our lives are filled with distractions, filled with things that consume our time. Sometimes we think the job's too big to tackle at once. It was like um, Sam and I were home a couple of days ago, and uh, I figured I'm going to start cleaning the yard, and we cleaned it together. She worked in one corner, you know, trimming up the things that need to be trimmed, and I got rid of, you know, I'm, I'm in construction, so when I look at something, I see value in future projects. So I built a gate. She doesn't like my gate. But no, you've seen my gate. I still have to cover it to make it nice. Cover it in wood. But I mean, it's an aluminum secure gate with a combination lock and everything, you know. It's got a closure on it. Just clicks, just got that thing tuned in and dialed down. But she doesn't, she doesn't necessarily appreciate that. And that's okay. I do. So I have a lot of things around my yard that I think I could do a good project with that. And I want to save that because that costs a lot of money. Those doors are like over $1,000 a piece. And they were junk doors that I made them into something useful. So that's what I think. But if you think too far along that line, those lines, you become, you become a hoarder. You start hoarding things because everything's got a value to it, right? <laughs> and the, car, the yard started looking cluttered. Man, I had like, I want to say 30 or 40 conduit. You know, the galvanized conduit from two inch down to half an inch. You know, we were stripping out our warehouse when we moved. Boss said, yeah, take it all. So I figured, oh, I can use that. I'll go commercial conduit in my house, you know? <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> well, I do have some, actually. <laughs> but, but, you know, I was going to save this, right? So I'm thinking, well, she doesn't like the gate. She's not going to like the conduit, right? <laughs> so then I had this wood that, you know, this great wood for, for concrete forms. But it's a little twisted. It's nothing you'd use for anything nice. But I think I might still want to do some more concrete work in the back. And then I thought, ah, she's already not liking how much I got done. No, that's not going to happen. So I start realizing, you know, I'm not going to use this. I'm not going to use this. I'm not going to use that. Yeah, I don't feel like, you know, you don't feel like working. There's a lazy streak sometimes in all of us. But I thought, you know what, i got to do it. So, you know... I'm thinking, you know how many trips that's going to take to the truck and back, all that kind of, It's not like you can put it in a wheelbarrow. It's 10 feet long. It won't fit through the gate. It's a tall gate, not a wide gate. Um, but you know what? I just grabbed a couple of them, put them out there. You know, and, I, and then I realized I'm getting something that I really need. Exercise. <laughs> so I took it all down, then I took it to recycle. I even got some money out of it. You know, And I didn't complain about how little they gave me because, hey, I didn't have to take it to the dumps, right? I didn't have to pay. And then I realized I had a lot of aluminum lying around. I'm going to start, I'm going to take that down there. And then I took two truckloads full of wood. I cut it up. And then we have dumpsters down at work that they just happen. They're empty and they're going to pick them up Tuesday whether they're empty or not. So I get permission to fill them up. So I come back and the, the backyard's actually clean. Everything's organized, you know. And I'm thinking, wow, that looks good. Get rid of the stuff you're not going to use. Got more room. Everybody feels better. I feel better. I even went into my garage in my front, my front little garage, and I started cleaning that up, you know. And you start feeling good. Don't you feel good when things are cleaned and organized? You really do. 
And I think, why don't I do that more often? And it's like that with the Word of God, you know? Um, yeah, we have verses here. We have verses there. We put plaques up. We post stuff up on Facebook, a verse here, a verse there. But we're not really using it, you know? So it becomes sort of like, like clutter until you get everything organized. And you, and you know what? I, I can't, I'll never remember my experience in the north of Brazil. Because they didn't have all the trappings that we have here. They didn't have all the distractions, all the nice things that you want to get. Life was basic. So you had a lot of time to clean up what little you had. I mean, people had dirt floors there, but they were the cleanest dirt floors you ever saw. I've seen dirt floors that were cleaner than the wood floors in other places. You know, they take care of their stuff. And life's simpler, but you have a lot of time to contemplate that which is more important. Relationships. God. Eternity. The Word of God. Start visiting people, you know. Um, and so when you get your life cleaned up spiritually, it's refreshing. Something nice about it. You know? It's getting back to memorizing scripture, studying the word, spending time with Christians, witnessing. You know, I, you know if, if I go time without witnessing, finally the Lord will just land blast me. He says, yeah, you don't even witness anymore. And then there's an opportunity I witness, and then I feel so good, I'm thinking, why don't I do that more often? It's like cleaning the backyard, because I'm lazy. I'm lazy. But it's just like anything else. Once you get sunk into it, and you realize, hey, I'm getting something I need anyway. You know what it is? Exercise. Well, physical exercise or spiritual exercise? I go to witness somebody, they throw, they throw me a curveball, I don't know how to answer it. Guess what? That's exercise, because I'm going to go find out how to answer it. That's spiritual exercise. We stay in shape spiritually when we do that. So, I'm going to close with reading this, and I want us to think about it. Now, you might have heard it before. Uh, I heard it 30 years ago, and I don't know if I've heard it since, but I'm sure glad for it. Noah had posted it up on his web, um, his, uh, what's it called, a Facebook page, that's it. And it's talking about the Word of God. And I think it originated with a man by the name of Booth, started Gideon's. At least it's attributed to him when I looked it up. It talks about the Word of God. And when, you, when we read this and, and, and think about it, think how precious it is, you know, and the valuable treasure that we have in it. And it's not just a treasure to look at. It's a tool to use. You know. The Bible contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true. And its decisions immutable. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe. And practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you. Food to support you. And comfort to cheer you. It's the traveler's map. The pilgrim's staff. The pilot's compass. And the soldier's sword. The Christian's charter. Here paradise is restored. Heaven opened. And the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject. Our good. The design. And the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, 
frequently and prayerfully. It's a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It's given to you in life. It will be opened at the judgment and remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility. will reward the greatest labor. will condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you so much for your holy word. Our Maker's Manufacturer's Instruction Manual. We thank you that you have not left us without guidance, without the light. We thank you so much for this precious gift. And we thank you that we can look at it as a tool to accomplish the work that you have for us to do. We only pray that we would handle it accurately, that we might not be ashamed. We ask it in Jesus' name.